Hey, good morning. I'm, I don't do this all the time. And so I, uh, I'm a little nervous, but I'm depending on God to lead me in this message. And uh, as I was preparing, I came across this. And it's, it's kind of a joke, but I don't, I'm trying to figure out if it's really funny or not. So just listen, to, just listen to it. Okay, this is about a priest who dies and goes to heaven. Sometime after he arrived, he noticed that one of the other people in heaven, a New York City cab driver, was being treated with much more respect than he was. So he went to the Lord and asked, Lord, why is that man being treated much better than me when all he did was drive a taxi cab? When I dedicated my life to teaching others about you, the Lord asked, when people came to your church, were they always alert and paying close attention to you? He answered, no. In fact, they would even fall asleep sometimes during my sermons. Well, that man was a cab driver in New York City, said the Lord. And not only were the people he drove very wide awake, but they were usually praying. <laughs> yeah, so. Just remember when you go to New York, you have to pray when you're riding a taxi cab. <laughs> so the topic today is the importance of prayer. And I'm starting out with a question, what is prayer? And we're going to look at a verse here in Philippians, if I can get to it. I know it. But when I'm in front of people, I lose my memory. <laughs> Let's see if I can find Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Yeah, that's okay. Philippians disappeared. Where'd it go? Well. <laughs> oh, there went my paper that has First Thessalonians on it, so. <laughs> well, come on. I know it's right here. So I guess I, I need to go past where I'm at here. Hang on. See, that's what you get with a a person that doesn't know where his Bible is. No. <laughs> Man. I'm having troubles here. So I had troubles with my cell phone last time. Now I'm having trouble with my Bible. So. Oh, there's Philippians. How about that? <laughs> Four, six, and seven. 
So four. And it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, uh, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcend all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when we're praying, we know that God is there for us. He's wanting us to talk to him. He wants us to be there getting closer to him. And when we're praying, we need to uh, see that God is listening. He wants, to, he wants us to be there bringing our needs to him. And there's a verse in 1 Peter that says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. So part of prayer is bringing your petitions, your requests to him, allowing him to minister in your heart, allowing him to take care of those needs that you see before you. you uh, have problems in your life, take them to God. Cast, them, cast your cares on him. Things are going well, rejoice in God because he's blessing you. He's wanting you to see that he cares for you. He's a loving God. He's one who desires the very best for each one of us. And he desires us to commit our way completely and totally to, to him. And he wants us to know that he is there for us and will take care of us. Then another verse is talking about talking with God. And I, using a Psalms, in Psalms 27, and verses 7 through 14, where David's praying. If you know David, he wrote a lot of the Psalms, and a lot of the times he was praying to God, help me. They're going to destroy me if you don't help. And we can bring our prayers to God that way too. That when we're feeling distressed, because things are going bad, going from bad to worse. And we think there's nothing we can do. Well, that's true. God can do it, though. He will take care of us. And uh, in this psalm, I'll just read this. I'm having trouble reading today, too, because I'm not seeing it good. But <laughs> it says, Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says to you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been very helpful. Do not reject me 
or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your ways, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path. Do not turn, your, turn me over to the desires of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. So he's saying, even though things are going bad, I can trust God. I can turn to him when things go wrong. And when it looks like everything's against me, I cast my cares there and allow him to minister to me, to bring a good thing out of a bad situation. He's saying, I rely on God. He's the only one I turn to. He doesn't forsake me as my parents might if I do something stupid. They disown me. Or if you're in a Muslim country and you turn to Jesus, your parents forsake you, kick you out of the house, threaten to kill you. Well, we don't have that here, but that's part of what's going on in this world now. That if people become Christians in Muslim or Islam countries, they're immediately disowned because they've chosen God, the only true God, and so they are disowned by their family. Then there's also the prayer of faith in, in James 5, 13 to 15. It's talking about if there's anybody among you that needs to be healed, call for the elders in the church and have them anoint you and pray for you, and you will be healed. And it's telling you that God will be there, and his will will be done every time. Now, he may not heal you because he has a different plan, but he will allow you to have the strength to persevere, go through that. And maybe he's teaching you something. But the prayer of faith is very powerful. And God wants us to be trusting him and to pray in faith, believing that God will answer our prayers that we bring to him. Then there's an attitude of prayer in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, where it's talking about rejoice always. Ha <laughs> ha. When your car dies and it costs you $5,000 to fix it, you're supposed to rejoice. No, that's not what they're saying, is it? <laughs> but it is that you bring it to God and allow him to fix the car and 
allow him to teach you what he's wanting to teach you in that time. And to follow him at all times, allowing him to be the one that's guiding you in your life and allowing him to be with you. Then also we are to be praying for others that are in our lives. And then in Ephesians 1, 17 to 19, Paul was talking about praying to the Ephesian church, praying for them, asking that they will be growing deeper in the Spirit of God, that they will be growing in their faith, that they will allow him to be the one that guides and directs them, that they are fully committed to following him wherever he's leading. And we can be doing that too, praying for our fellow Christians here that we know, praying that they're growing in him, that they are seeing his hand in their life, and that they are able to trust him in all things. So the, the Lord wants you to have him leading you, guiding you, directing you as you walk with him. And so the next question is, um, how do we pray? And in the In Matthew 6 and 5 through 15, we have the Lord's Prayer in that. But it starts out first by saying, don't pray like the hypocrites. Hmm. They stand on the street corner and in the synagogue to get attention. They're only doing it because they want attention. That's the wrong motive. When we pray, we need to go into our room and close the door, he says, and pray to God in secret and allow him to guide and direct us in our prayers, allow him to take control of our prayers. And he wants to hear from us. He wants us to tell him what's going on in our lives, which he already knows. But he wants us to speak it out. And everything's going well. We tend not to pray as much, right? When things start going bad, then we have an opportunity to pray more because we want to commit that to God and allow him to minister to us. So when you pray, do you do it in secret or are you doing it to be seen by others? To, it's a thing of pride like the hypocrites that Jesus was talking about, they were doing it to get attention, to make them look good. Well, God doesn't want us to pray to make us look good. He wants us to pray to honor him and to be in his presence. Now, we get to go into the throne room now. When Jesus was speaking here, the, the Israelites still had the temple and the curtain was there, but when he was sacrificed for our sins. That curtain was tore from the top to the bottom. And it wasn't a thin curtain. It was very thick. So it was supernaturally torn. 
now we have the opportunity to go right into his throne room with whatever is going on in our lives. And we need to be honest with him telling how we're feeling. We can tell him when we're mad at him because he didn't answer the way we thought he should. But we can also tell him, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're teaching me by not allowing my road to be smooth and easy. So we need to be thankful as we pray. Then another question, well, I just said that. I'm sorry, I'm backing up here. Um, another thing it said in the verses there in five through seven or five through eight is don't use a whole lot of words. Don't babble on to think that because you say a lot of words that God's going to hear you and he's going to immediately answer your prayers. And that's not true either because God hears you when you first open your mouth and he already knows what you're going to bring to him and he wants you to allow him to be the one that guides you in your prayers, the one that uh, shows you what to pray about, the one who is always available to hear your prayers. So now we're getting down to what Jesus said to his disciples. So how, how does Jesus say we should pray? And what's it start out with? Uh, now I'm getting into Psalm 23 in my brain. Ah. Uh, let me get here. Okay. So in verse 9, Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. O Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive, have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So... So we're supposed to start out with our Father when you pray, allowing him the respect. Uh, have you had a, 
bad father, it's probably pretty hard to figure out that calling somebody father is important. But if you had a good father, they're there to take care of you, to supply your needs as a child. So God is saying, I want you to respect me by calling me father when you pray. Now I know that uh, some people call him Papa, but that's the same as Father. So you can allow the Lord to guide you how you respect his name, whether you use Father or Papa or something else that means Father. And he will honor you for that and allow you to be um, in his presence. Also in that verse, it says that we are to show reverence to God. It says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What does hallowed mean? It means holy. His name is holy. He's the only one that is holy. The only God that is holy. Other gods are doing it to get attention and they don't do anything for you. I think of uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal on the mountain. They were praying to Baal and nothing happened. And yet when Elijah prayed, God sent fire from heaven and ate the sacrifice up and all the water that he poured on it was all dried up. God answers and he ministered there. So he wants us to be uh, showing him reverence as we see him as our Holy Father. Then we're also to pray for his kingdom to come. Now how do we do that? Do you know that when you become a Christian, you become part of God's kingdom? So everyone that becomes a, a Christian is part of the kingdom of God. And as we're walking through our daily lives, he wants us to be a witness for him and to represent him well and that people would come to know him because what they see in us we don't have to say a word. I know when I was working up in Anchorage, I wasn't preaching to people about God. And yet, people knew that I was a believer in Jesus Christ. And when they were using four-letter words in my presence and they seen me, they would say, oh, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> but God used me that way. And so he wants to be using us to build his kingdom. He's coming back to, to bring us all into the new heaven and the new earth when that time is ready. Then we also says we're to pray for our daily bread. 
And yeah, we all need to have food for nutrition every day. Otherwise, we won't last real long. Uh, I know that it's more important to have water than food necessarily, but food is an important part of our lives. And yet, as I was researching this, I was reading Matthew Henry, and he was saying, that's also spiritual food that we need each day. That we will allow the Spirit to speak to us, that we'll be in his word where we are fed spiritually. It doesn't do anything for our physical body, but our spiritual life, it does. And then there's other people in our lives who know Jesus and are encouragers like Barnabas in the Bible. And they can see maybe that you're going through a rough time and they can come alongside you and encourage you and say, God is with you even though it doesn't feel like it. He wants to use you today. He's got a plan for you. He's going to use you in whatever way he wants. And if you'll yield to his leading, you will see what he's, what he's doing. And I know we go through hard times and afterwards we see, oh yeah, that's what God was doing. Uh, so yeah, he's there. He wants to guide and direct us and give us our physical food and our spiritual food each day. Then the next thing is he wants to help us not yield to temptation. It says, lead us not into temptation. Now, God doesn't lead anybody into temptation. If you look at James chapter 1, he's saying, we are tempted when we are drawn away by our own evil desires. It's not God tempting us. It's us being tempted by the evil one, Satan. He's the one that's the tempter. He, he did it to Adam and Eve. He does it to anybody who will listen to him and draw them away from what God is doing and cause us to sin. And he's happy when that happens. He wants us to keep yielding to temptation. He wants us to follow him. He wants to get the glory. I know when he was tempting Jesus, he was doing all these things now. Well, why don't you just jump off this building and the angels will catch you. And he took him to a high place and said, I'll give you all this, these kingdoms if you just submit to me. Jesus didn't fall for those things because he lived the perfect life so he could be the perfect sacrifice for all mankind, for all their sin. And he wanted them to uh, know that he loved them so much, he was willing to send his son to die in our place so we could have a relationship with him. We could be part of his kingdom. And so when temptation comes, we can resist it. And it tells us when we resist 
the devil, he'll flee from us. Another verse says that he will make a way of escape. So you don't have to yield to that temptation. So God is merciful, gracious, and loving, and will take care of us. And when temptation comes, we don't have to yield to it. Well, does God answer our prayers? The answer is yes, he does. I was thinking of Hannah in 1 Samuel. She was wanting a child and yet she was childless. And she went to the temple and was praying and weeping and she was in deep sorrow because she hadn't had any children. And that was really a bad thing if you don't have children because nobody wants to be childless. And so she was talking to God and praying to him, saying, Lord, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. How about that? And the next year, God had given her a child, right? Samuel. And he became a, a great leader of Israel, a prophet. And God used her to bring about the leader that Israel needed. I've also had some answers to prayer, and I can't go into all of them, but <laughs> in uh, 1984, my brother-in-law came down to Seattle area from Anchorage, Alaska. He had a kitchen exhaust cleaning business and he was needing help. People that he could depend on, he had people, but they were not always dependable. And so he was talking to Karen and I and said, would you be willing to come and work with me up in Anchorage, Alaska? Now we're moving from Seattle area to Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, well, I don't know. So Karen and I, our kids were on a mission trip to Mexico. So Karen and I took some time off and went camping. Oh, we don't do that anymore. But <laughs> we went camping and we're praying. And we also had our connection group praying. What, what's God's will in this? Should we go to Alaska or should we stay here? And after a time, we realized that God wasn't saying no. He said, it's okay, go to Alaska. So we went to Alaska. And God used us there as well. We were part of a new Alliance Church in Anchorage, Alaska. And over time, I became a the church treasurer, I became a board member, I became an elder there also. And we also had a ministry with the Salvation Army that had a daycare place that they had people that they were taking care of during the daytime. And we 
went over there and played our instruments and sang with them and had a short devotional. So God was using us and he will use each one of you if you allow him to do that. I also had a ministry with an organization called Love in the Name of Christ, Love Inc. And they were an organization that helped people that needed help finding the resources they needed to live. And so we would take phone calls and give them the information they needed or if they needed money, we'd show them where they could go to get the help they needed. And so that was me stepping out of my comfort zone, taking phone calls from people in trouble. No. <laughs> now, Mike does a good job at that. He likes that. Well, I was having struggles with that, but God was still using me. He was stretching me some more. He keeps doing that. I don't know why, but anyway, I was being stretched doing that. And, but God blessed in that as well. And so that was great. We also have seen answers to prayer right here in Trinity Alliance Church. When we first came here in 2015, we got connected with the prayer group here. And one of the prayers they were praying was that we would have more youth. And what happened? We got more youth, huh? The Lord blessed there. And so he's doing wonderful things. So we can honor him and know that he will answer our prayers. He may not answer it the way you think he should. Now, we, we have the tendency to have our own plans, you know, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. But God says, no, this might be a no-no. A so God's going to answer in one of three ways. Yes, no, or wait. And we have to be attuned to him to know what he's saying. Which one is he going to use? And he will show us that. Worship team, would you come up now? The Lord's going to bless you as you look to him in prayer. He'll guide you in your life if you will humble yourself before him and allow him to be the one that guides your life. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Um, um, I was thinking about Glenn's uh, reminders of prayer, and um, he reminded me before the service that we do have prayer available after up front, so um, there'll be people up here who can pray with you. Uh, fellowship, we have some snacks out in the lobby, and uh, we ask you to enjoy your time uh, talking to each other out there. And so um, with the idea of prayer, um, Bringing us closer to the Lord, I have this benediction for us. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. Amen.